today we're going to be talking all about passive house and just why you should consider implementing some of the standards for your project. This is Chris Novelli from N3 Architecture, and welcome to episode 14 of the Home Design Academy podcast, where I help people understand design and construction so that they can make better decisions on their project and communicate more effectively with their architects and contractors. So first off, what is Passive House? Passive House is a voluntary standard for energy efficiency in buildings, which reduces the building's ecological footprint. It consists of constructing ultra-low energy buildings that require very little energy for heating or cooling. And it's not just limited to residential structures, but the standards can be applied to all building types. And this is not a product that's applied to a building, but a holistic way of thinking about the design and construction. Please don't confuse passive house with net zero construction. So while Passive House takes into consider all the elements of construction and creating healthier environments, Net Zero has to do more with energy consumption and the balancing of energy use versus renewable energy. And there are even some buildings that are constructed barely above code minimum, but still get to claim that they're a Net Zero development due to a PV array or some sort of other uh, energy offset, which might not even be on the building or the property. So just a little bit about the history of Passive House. Passive House was started in the late 1980s between Bo Adamson of Lund University in Sweden and Wolfgang Feist of the Institute for Housing and the Environment in Germany. So the concepts were developed and tested through a number of research projects looking into actual building performance. Their early concepts, though, were based upon what builders in North America did during the oil embargo in the 1970s and using sun as the primary heat source. In 1996, the Passive House Institute was founded to promote and control the Passive House standards. And around this time, the Passive House Institute demonstrated that if their standards could be implemented, you could see a reduction in heating about 90% below what a standard new building used at the time. In the 2000s, many European companies began began making products to comply with the standards, such as high-efficiency heating and cooling equipment, as well as high-efficiency ventilation and high-performing windows. So in terms of the principles of Passive House Design, I'm not going to sit here and bore you with reading off a list of the standards and the target energy uses, but instead I'm going to talk in more general terms so that you can get an understanding of just what these standards and these principles entail. First and foremost is an increase in the insulation of the building envelope. And I've talked about increasing the insulation and and using a continuous rigid insulation on the outside Um, But if you're going to go for passive house standards, you're going to have to go above and beyond what I've talked about in past episodes. So this could mean using four inches of rigid insulation on the exterior instead of two, or using a double stud exterior wall with a service cavity that allows you to run electrical and other items without reducing the insulation. Most important though is the continuous insulation barrier throughout the entire envelope of the house 
without any gaps or thermal bridging. And if you don't know what thermal bridging is, thermal bridging is the movement of heat across an object. So for an example, if you have a concrete slab and then you build a stud wall on top of that concrete slab and you insulate the stud wall, well, that wall is insulated, but the edge of the slab, the outside edge of the slab, is actually a thermal bridge because heat can transfer through that edge and into your house. So it's not just about increasing the insulation in your walls, but also in the attic and roof level as well. But there needs to be a really great level of care and detailing though, because when you increase the insulation levels like this, most residential contractors will not be used to building this way. So paying close attention to the details and the flashing and, and allowing water to drain out of your assemblies is critical. The result and the goal is a very airtight building that prevents the loss of heated air in the winter or the loss of cooled air in the summer. But Chris, what if the walls are built too tight? Then my family will get sick and the air will be stale. Wrong. When you have a tight building envelope, you also need to install a ventilation system, which brings in fresh air from the outdoors. And the result is actually that the indoor environment is healthier and the air quality is improved. And this added benefit of a healthier building and a better indoor environment cannot be put into monetary terms. And it's like saying, do you want the people that you love the most to be breathing clean air or polluted air? It's a no-brainer, right? You want them to be breathing the clean air. So when you have the tight building, you bring in the fresh air and you actually have the cleaner, healthier environment than a building that's constructed not as tight without ventilation. And also in terms of the building envelope, triple pane windows I think would be a minimum and it'd be even better if you could buy European windows as the quality is far greater than what you can buy here in the United States. See my episode on windows for more information. And then last but not least, a high efficiency heating and cooling systems are used. And this includes ventilation systems with heat recovery are used so that warm air being exhausted out heats up the fresh air being pulled in from the outside. But those two airs don't mix. It's just the energy that's transferred. And also the design and the orientation of your building based upon your climate plays a big role. I went over some of these principles in in an earlier episode of the podcast where I talked about site planning. But essentially, in a cold climate, you want to locate your house to correspond with the solar angles, and you have window more windows facing the side of the sun, allowing for passive heating in the winter with added shaded devices to block out the summer sun. And on the side of the house opposite the sun, you'd want to minimize the amount of window openings and only use smaller windows where natural light is needed, and that way you have the more insulation on that side. So, of course, it always comes down to cost. And I heard this great analogy uh, this week during a conference call um, with some state legislators discussing energy efficiency, and I thought it was a nice way to frame the question. Instead of thinking of it as an initial cost and then payback over time, instead, think of it of being cash flow positive from day one. In this mode of thinking, the cost of the building, I mean, it is what it is. But on day one of occupying that building, you're making money by using very little energy, and that money would have gone to utility bills. So 
if the passive house costs 10% more, I mean, 10% on a mortgage is peanuts as compared to the hundreds of dollars you'll save each month, thousands of dollars you'll save each year. That's real money in your pocket to save, to invest, to help your family live, to take a vacation with. So studies have shown that the average passive house in the United States will cost you approximately 5 to 10% more in construction costs than standard building. So, you know, let's just use some general terms and some round numbers here. Let's say if you're building a 2,500 square foot house and the cost of construction is $200 a square foot, that would be $500,000 in construction cost. Add 10% to go to passive house and now you're at 550. So let's let's break down some some general mortgage numbers. A $500,000 mortgage with 10% down and a 4% interest rate will get you about $2,600 a month in payments. A $550,000 mortgage with 10% down and a 4% interest rate will get you about $2,800. So you're paying $200 more for your mortgage, but you could be saving $500, $600 a month, maybe even more on reduced energy and electric, electric and heating and cooling costs. That could easily add up to five dollars or $6,000 a year of, of money that you save. And think about that over the lifetime of your mortgage. I mean, you're talking well over $100,000 saved for an extra $200 a month. This doesn't account into the cost for the actual certification or the added architectural and engineering costs to hire passive house certified consultants. But guess what? You can implement the strategies without having to get the certification. And unless you wanted the to pay for that certification for some sort of promotional material, if your if your company is building a building and you wanted your your headquarters to be a house, passive house uh, certified project, that's one way to go about it. Or if you just wanted to use it for bragging rights. So how do you go about designing a passive house? What are your first steps? I mean, the first step would be to talk to your architect and tell them that you either want to build a passive house or at least integrate the principles. Um, Even if your architect has not completed a passive house before, most architects these days are very familiar with integrating these principles. Most architects are very familiar with controlling the exterior envelope. But if you wanted actual passive house certified architects, I'm sure that those are easy enough to find in your region. But one thing that I want to mention, it's critical to the process that you start off the planning with energy efficiency in mind. What you don't want is to go about the process of designing a standard house or a building and then at some point in the future try to make it into a passive house or try to add passive house elements to it later. I mean, it's not a pizza that we're making where you can just add toppings. It requires a systematic approach to the design of the house or the design of the building, starting with the site and carrying all the way through to the details. So is it worth it? I mean, the first thing I would ask you then is how long do you plan on staying in your house? And if it's for anything more than a couple of years, then I would say yes, implementing these strategies is 100% worth it. You're going to be saving yourself so much more money in the long run 
in these lower utility bills than you would for spending a little bit more on construction. The only way I would say that implementing these strategies aren't worth it is if you're a house flipper. And frankly, if you're a house flipper, I have no clue why you're listening to my podcast because my podcast is all about building correctly and avoiding the flashy finished materials, spending your money wisely. The house flip the house flippers have the opposite approach. The house flippers don't care about the about the exterior envelope. They don't care about the efficiency. They just want to throw in the fancy fixtures and entice you to paying more for the house. So once again, it is definitely worth pursuing a tighter building envelope and more efficient systems. It's going to pay off tenfold in the long run. But let's say if you want to actually get your house certified as a passive house. So if you're building a house anywhere between 2,500 square feet and 4,500 square feet, I think it costs about $2,000 for the actual certification paperwork and maybe slightly less than that for a smaller house. Just remember though, as I always say, you should be investing your money into making your building as energy efficient as possible rather than spending that same money on the fancy finished materials and products. By using your resource wisely, you can be saving yourself thousands of dollars per year on heating, cooling, and electrical costs. that wraps up another episode of the home design academy podcast i hope you learned something and enjoyed yourself along the way this was a quick episode talking about some of the basic principles of passive house if you want to learn more you can go to n3architecture.com for more information please submit your questions to home design academy at n3architecture.com or speakpipe.com slash home design academy either way you can get your questions to me and I can answer them here on the podcast. I want to know what you're struggling with so that I can help. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.